0: And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another special episode of the Simply Awesome Podcast. Today, Today's topic is mental health. I know that uh, we've been cooped up in the house for a minute. Uh, there's been a lot of protests, a lot of rioting, a lot of looting, and uh, different things of that nature. And uh, during these hard times, you know, uh, we really have to check out our mental health and how we feel from a day-to-day basis. You know, a lot of people aren't used to being, being in the house uh more than a day or two and not used to uh, having to spend that, you know, downtime with just themselves or with their significant other, with family members, with uh, friends, you know, things of that nature. You know, it's a daunting task uh, to, s- to say the least to uh, uh, just be there with your thoughts or maybe not be there with your thoughts, but being with people uh, for a longer period than what you're normally used to some things are just uh are are rather are rather you know brand new and some people just don't know how to react to to those uh scenarios to situations uh a lot of people uh can either be you know depressed uh deal with a lot of anxiety uh or they just find out that they're living they're living with uh inner demons that they never thought they ever even even had you know what i'm saying and uh and what i urge for everybody to do is to uh check up on your friends check up on your families uh you know up you know every now and again you know get that temperature check see how they're doing and uh always give them words of encouragement let them know that they're not alone and that uh that you know tomorrow and today's gonna be a, a brighter day you gonna know, have a great future you know uh uh, I believe, you know, a lot of people, you know, throughout their lifetime will feel some type of depression, some type of downturn, depending on how the life is transpiring. You know, whether uh, you may lose your job, you might, might lose a loved one, and sometimes those can be, you know, trick down effect in, in a negative way, and it can really, you know, hit home, and it can trigger some, some, some demons in you that you never even thought you had, and we all have to uh, you know, build a community to where we can talk things out and and figure out what's the problem and, you know m- you know, what's the solution is to how we can, you know, make things go and set a positive path. You know I just wanna spread spread awareness to uh mental health. And um and and just know that there's safe space wherever you wanna um Talk to me personally, uh, or whether you need to just talk talk to other people. Just in general, it could be on social media, off social media. Just make sure that you're not holding in any of any of that, you know, negative thoughts and, and darkness, you know, inside. Because you know, we don't want you to, you know, be impulsive or explosive, you know, for uh, for that matter, you know. A lot of lives could have been saved just just from, from one conversation. I truly do believe that. And uh yeah, I just want you to, you know, uh open that line of communication and just um just just uh let your voices be heard and you know uh give up give a an ear and and you know, spread that positive positivity and spread awareness that we're all in this together you know what I'm saying all this is pretty much brand new for everybody you know we're definitely in murky times and you know and we just need to come together you know as people you know just wanted to uh make you guys aware that I'm definitely a big advocate of mental health awareness you know do all do all that you can and I'll do all that I can and we're gonna uh get this all you know squared away uh okay The NBA is back, folks. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the NBA is back. Beginning July 31st, 2020, we will have NBA games back. Uh, the season will resume, uh, finishing out uh, eight games of the regular season. And then uh, the final two teams in the uh, East Conference uh We'll have, you know, a playing game if, uh, five or more games are, uh, need, need to be decided between the eighth and ninth seed. I am so for this, uh, format. I'm so glad the NBA has returned, uh, when the coronavirus hit and, uh, uh, the NBA was the first to actually, you know, be right, right on top of it and, you know, shut everything down which led to a trickle-down trickle effect into you know, everything closing. And we know how powerful the NBA is, and and they they sold it. You know what I'm saying? But I think right now we're in a space where we need sports more than ever, and we need the NBA to really, you know, ease, ease our mind uh, away from, you know, the coronavirus and as well as, you know, the, a lot of the social injustice that's been going on for this nation for years, and you know, it just, you know, gets our mind away from just 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 for a little bit, even though we know how big those things are impacting our lives from from a day-to-day basis. Uh, but I'm super happy that the NBA is back. Um, I really want to see uh, uh, the players get out there and, and you know, ball hard. And uh, I, I'm interested in the storylines, you know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, we don't get to see, you know, all, all the best stars, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Katie just announced that uh, he's not returning for the season. He's going to wait till uh, next season. Um, if the season. Uh, uh, based on how everything's tracking, uh, the next NBA season won't begin until December the first. So that's probably when we can expect for KD and Kyrie to return and uh, see see them. Even though that currently that their team is uh, in a playoff condition right now, but. I guess it just makes sense that uh, Katie doesn't return now, considering that Kyrie is not gonna uh, uh, wouldn't be able to play right now. Uh, if you if uh, Katie were to return, it would just be solely him and uh, the rest of his running mates. So that makes sense. Give Katie time to uh, be 100 percent healthy as well as Kyrie, and they could try to make a championship run uh, the following next season. But however, I, I really wouldn't see Katie get out there and play. He's, uh, to me, he's uh, the greatest uh, basketball player right now that we have. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I think this uh, actually gives chance uh, for somebody else to to get a title, you know what I'm saying? Uh, right now, uh, before the, the uh, season was postponed, the Rockets were looking, you know, piping hot despite, you know, the small ball lineup where everybody's pretty much like 6'5 and under. <laughs> That's a crazy lineup to have out there. They were looking pretty good, and I think that this might be their best chance to win a championship, considering that they have more time time off. And the, the way they play basketball, it doesn't lend to them actually having to play with each other day in, day out, because it's like, because it's sort of like streetball, you know, they're, they're a are running gun te- type of team. That's usually how streetball is. And it takes other teams to really have the condition up in order to prepare for them. So this might be a great scenario for the Rockets to go in and uh, win a championship. Uh, the Lakers were playing uh, at a high level before uh, the season postponed with uh, LeBron and uh, AD. Uh, that dynamic duel of LeBron having a MVP type of season. And um, eighty just you know, having another All World season uh, as he usually does. Um, the Lakers were looking pretty scary, you know, knocking down the Clippers and Bucks uh, within a you know a small time period before uh, the season postponed. So it's uh, it going to be interesting to see whether the Lakers can uh, still have that uh, chemistry that they that they had earlier in the year um, before the season was postponed. Uh, the Bucks were clearly uh, like the best team throughout the most of the regular season with Giannis and uh, his sporting cast, you know. Um, uh, I think the Bucks still are dangerous, uh, with Giannis. Anytime you have a seven foot guy who probably runs like a four two <laughs> on the basketball court is uh it's amazing just going and dunking on people left and right. Um, however when it's playoffs basketball you he's gonna have to learn how to shoot. If you can't shoot then the Bucks aren't going to have a chance to win, my estimation. Uh, I just don't see it happening. Um, also, out from the East, uh, Boston looks good as far as um, uh, they can go at least six or seven deep, as far as their uh, their, their depth is concerned. And I think uh, that's definitely a difficult out for any uh, team in the East, even though I think uh, Toronto, the defending champs, has um, just as deep as the team. Even without Kawhi, you know, they have a lot of interchangeable parts with Pascal Siakam, uh, Van Fleet, Kyle Lowry, uh, uh, the boy uh, uh, OG. Um, still got Marcus Sola, still got Ibaka, so um, that's gonna be interesting. Uh, of course, everybody was looking at Philly and how how they've been playing, you know, Heckling Jai. Uh, I think Heckling Jai? What? Well, never mind me. Well, pretty much that they've been uh, inconsistent and haven't been playing the way that we all thought they were going to play throughout the season, even though, to me, you know, they still had a good record. And anytime you have pretty much the best big man in the league, uh, no offense to Anthony Davis, I think Joel Allen is the best big man uh, uh, in the league. And you have the the tallest point guard and the most gifted uh, point guard, I'd say and uh, Ben Simmons uh, granted you can't shoot a lick but they those two give you a chance to, to, to win a championship I, I, I do believe that even despite, despite uh, the lack of shooting I think that uh, they're just so gifted as far as um, you know their day in day out matchups whoever has to guard them you know what I'm saying but uh, so that's pretty much how, how my outlook on the east is, on the west um, I said Houston, I said you know, LA Lakers, clearly Clippers are still the favorite, you know, anytime you have um, the the defending uh, finals MVP in Kawhi Leonard, and then you have a guy in Paul George who's never 6'9 wing player and you have uh, uh, a professional scorer in Lou Williams, and you have um, uh, uh you know, Energizer Bunny and Montrezl Harrow and Pitbull and uh, Apache Beverly, you know, that gives you a, a, you know, championship aspirations and, and, and they haven't even played, played together and yet they're still one of the top teams in uh, the NBA. Like that, that core lineup has not played each other for, for what, more than five, five or 10 games, something like that, some, some ridiculous stat like that. So it's, uh, so it will be uh, something to see if they can actually yell, c- come together, and you know, uh, create noise. And uh, even though, you know, to me, they, they are the championship favorite. Uh, no doubt about it. And um, anybody out the West, I see, besides Houston, the Lakers, um, Clippers, I really don't see anybody else really making noise. Um, it would be interesting to see whether the uh, Pelicans can um, just into the playoff and I'll face the Lakers in the first round. That's definitely going to be a huge uh, uh, huge series if they can make it so we can finally see Zion and playoff atmosphere as well as Lonzo Ball. Um, they really were clicking towards the end of the season. Um, I would like to see Portland also again there as well because I want to see uh, Carmelo get back into a uh, playoff basketball You know, with Lillard and uh, CJ McCollum as well. Um, that makes for um, very interesting uh, storylines. Uh, so, I mean, I'm just excited for, you know, NBA basketball. I'm just ready, and ready to see it. Um, we really needed this, um, especially during these times. You know, this is kind of just probably the most exciting I, I, you know, I have for basketball in a, in a minute. Oh, yeah, I can't forget about my Wizards. We still have a chance to win an NBA title. I'm not... Even though John Wall is not returning, you know, I, I feel like if we can all just play together, you know, build around Bradley Bill, uh, you know, up to playoff run and everybody just, you know, know their role, you know, we can make some noise, but, you know, hold out hope. <laughs> um, well, this is finally a year where we don't have the to State Warriors to look at, um, I'm pretty sure everybody else is excited about that. However, that we know that you know with Steph and Clay retiring for next season, that's really going to be a scary thing to look out for. And they will possibly have the number one pick, like be Lamelo Ball. It means that's that's going to be you no know, more buzz, you know, more shooting, which is crazy for uh, for Golden State. But we could potentially be looking at Steph Clay. They picked up Angie Wiggins, Draymond, and anybody could play center uh, for the most part. And they have LaMelo Ball come off the bench. Wow. Like, that's just amazing, man. So I'm just, um, I'm really looking forward to uh, the NBA season returning. i um, very exciting, and happy for it. Um, also, the uh, players have definitely have a platform to, uh, to voice their opinions about what's going on in the world as far as social justice and, uh, and uh, their their spotlight will be even even brighter now that you know they're returning, and nothing else is no, no other sports are really you know dominating dominating the scene. So I, so uh, it's definitely much needed. I'm very ha- happy, and I'm um, I'm just I'm just ready ready for the season to begin. And uh, yeah, so I have to say on that matter. So uh, you know, let's get it. Hello. hello hello welcome Kimberly you are now uh joining the simply awesome podcast how are you feeling today
1: I am feeling lovely how are you
0: I'm feeling great you know it's a nice sunny day uh you know it seems like the days are just going by you know during the times that we're in uh but uh, overall how are you feeling like uh how's your zen?
1: um well I just finished my walk So um, my zen, I'm feeling very like calm and mellow right now, but that could, I might've released some vibes, you know, when you go on that nice walk.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. So you're just blowing off some steam or just, just, just taking the, you know, the earth and the sun.
1: Yeah. I definitely needed that vitamin D. You know, that when you, when you let the sun beam on you, like it basically just gives you that bolt of energy and it makes you feel really good. So my walk is like really sunny. There's like very little shade, which makes me feel good every time.
0: That's because that I, I take my morning walks and you know, just be me in the sun, uh seeing it rise and uh really just, you know, blow off steam and uh got me focused on like my next move from you know for out uh for the next day. Absolutely. Um, all right. Uh but I invite you to, you know, have, you know, a thoughtful conversation about know what's been going on in uh recently over the past mm-hmm. few months. Uh, uh, uh my first question is how has uh well first of all uh your occupation is teaching uh correct?
1: Yes. Yes
0: yes, yes. and so how is teaching uh during this time of the pandemic of COVID nineteen?
1: Um that itself has been a journey um when it comes to like just this whole idea of distance learning um, and virtual learning, a lot of our kids, one of the things that we knew was going to be a problem is like they didn't have access to technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a major problem. Um, we were being told by the district, you know, that you need to engage in virtual learning. But if you have children who don't have devices, then you need to make sure that you are reaching out to them and talking to them at least like twice every week but then that was difficult because you have people who or students who don't have working numbers so um when we were trying to get in contact with families although on my end it worked a little bit better because we use this platform called class dojo i'm mm. not sure if you've ever heard of it but yeah, people Okay so people who have kids you know they they know about it and people who work in education know about it but it's basically a easier way to communicate with your families and your parents um but one of the problems is that like um sometimes people took it take it off their phone they um feel like it takes up a lot of space or they just stop checking it so one of the biggest problems on this pandemic was just like being able to connect with kids like being able to forget about the virtual learning aspect of it, but getting in contact with children and families. Mm -hmm. Um, There there are still some children who I have yet, like, and I have a team. So I'm I'm one of three. There's three teachers on my team, including um, we have a dean of equity who is kind of like the administrator on my floor, but he's a part of my team. We have some people, regardless of who reached out on our team, who we have not heard from. And then there were some people where during this pandemic, like, trying to worry about your child logging on a website was a big, that, that was like a minor thing. Like I had families who were trying to figure out housing, were trying to figure out um, their gas and electric, stuff like that. Um, so it's just been, it's been a very eye-opening experience um, but it's been very challenging to say the least.
0: Uh, would you say it's the most challenging thing you faced so far in your uh,
1: career? Um. That's a great question. I wouldn't say it's the most challenging thing I've faced this far in my career. I'll say that um, I'm big on like evolution, right? The evolution of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that it, as weird as this may sound, I feel like it was necessary. It was the necessary push that a lot of veteran teachers needed because mm-hmm. um, we are, we're evolving as a people, right? And the way that we reach children needs to look different because that's a completely new generation of like Ch- person, you know, so yeah. it's like I—I I feel like this was as as unfortunate as it is. I feel like it was necessary because now, um, public education might be able to look different. You know, it—it it was like it's forced upon us to do this, um, distance learning and do all, um, these these are the things that we've been doing are things that people talk about in advanced instructional strategies courses when you're getting like your masters in education. So we're talking about flipped classrooms, we're talking about um, um, self-guided learning, we're talking about student-paced learning, we're talking about um, the children basically, the teacher being a facilitator and the children kind of having to take all of this and kind of go with that inquiry-based
0: so type of concept. Self-ownership type of thing.
1: Exactly, exactly. So I just feel like I feel like it's been challenging but it's been so necessary for a lot of reasons.
0: Do you think this tongue is uh, making or breaking a lot of teachers?
1: Uh, I think it's making, I think that the one, the beauty of this and what I've seen, um, and it's, it's always very interesting when you have like veteran teachers. So these are people who have been teaching since before I was in school. Right. Mm-hmm. And them basically learning how to, use technology, right? Learning how to post assignments, learning how to get on Google Meet. Um, So, yeah, definitely been interesting and great to be a part of, but challenging.
0: Uh, uh, What do you prefer? Do you prefer uh, the way things are now or do you prefer uh, teaching in the classroom?
1: Definitely 100% prefer teaching in the classroom. Um, And I think any teacher who... (laughs) listens to this um, will more than likely feel the same exact way, simply because the unfortunate um, part about my field is that I have a lot of children who I don't like to call them poor readers. Um, I call them striving readers. And my mm-hmm. striving readers are my readers who are performing at um, at least two or more grade levels below. And I also have um, in my school population, we're actually getting an abundance of ELL learners and that's um, English language learners. And so those ELL scholars that are coming to us, some of them speak no English at all. Some of them um, speak like broken English. So it's a mixture between their home language and then English. Um, So that has been very difficult because this year specifically, I had a ELL student who first day of school, he told me he didn't know how to write. He said, I can't write. That was the first day of school. And I've seen him grow so much and I couldn't say this, I couldn't say that I'd be able to say the same thing if I only were able to reach him through distance learning. I don't think I'd be able to say the same thing. So I would definitely prefer in-person over um, this distance learning that we've been doing. But for some of my more challenging friends, my um, kids mm-hmm. who um, just couldn't couldn't stay focused in the classroom, um, had a lot of issues with like eloping, um, they're still kind of playing online, but I feel like that worked a little bit better for them because they were able to kind of get on whenever they wanted, to, you know, wanted to get on as, as long as you get on the Google Meet and you get on to complete your assignment by the due date, they're good. So it just, I think it just okay. depends. It depends on the grade level. It depends on your student population. But me personally, I prefer being in person. I love teaching. I love seeing my children and being able to connect with them on a personal level.
0: Okay uh, how do you see uh students advancing uh let's say we get through this pandemic uh within let's say four to five months, like how do the transition of graduating and move on to the next grade level? How do you think that transition is gonna ultimately affect them?
1: um that's definitely gonna be a difficult transition, especially if um no one knows yet, but um depending on what phase we're in, especially if we start the school year off um doing distance learning. Just thinking about um, my eighth grade kids who just um, graduated yesterday. They had a graduation ceremony mm-hmm. on Google Meet. I'm just thinking about their freshman year of high school, right? You're going into mm-hmm. high school, and you, you want to, as a freshman, you need that connection with your teachers, right? You need that connection with your peers, and it's just going to feel so different for them. Um, so I, I think it's definitely going to be tough. Especially because this year was kind of, I'll call it a guinea pig because that's essentially what it was. Like No one knew what Mm -hmm. to do. And it was just like a bunch of trial and error with with anything that's new, right? So I I definitely think it's going to be challenging for them. And I I do think about that a lot.
0: Okay. Uh, uh, Do you have any fears going forward as far as teaching?
1: Uh, Definitely. I... My first fear are always gonna be my babies, my children. I fear that they are gonna be more underprepared for next year, no matter what it looks like, simply because we literally stopped um, midway through the school year. I think we had about, Mm -hmm. (laughs) well, we stopped in March. So that's March, April, May, June. So we had about four months, maybe three months and some change left. And there were um, already some children who were performing far below grade level then. So I'm really worried. That's one of my biggest fears is that we're gonna have a lot of children who are performing far below grade level, um, maybe more than what we initially started off with. I also fear that when the time does come for us to come back to the building that um, that's gonna look really different. We've been given a lot of different ways this could look. So just the kind of the fear of not knowing You know, what it could look like. And then also just the fear of like Corona itself, right? there are still so many unanswered mm-hmm. questions. So if we do go back in the building and it is business as usual, will it really be business as usual? Will all of my kids have to have masks on? Will we have to have hand sanitizer on deck? Will we, you know, that it's just so, yeah. it's just so many things. And then we all know that kids are germy, right? So that's another yeah. problem. Yeah. And I teach I teach the <laughs> elementary babies. I don't teach the babies who know they should oh, wash yeah. their hands. So it's just, it's it's just a lot. The fear of my health, the fear of their health. Um, parents might not feel comfortable sending their kids back. You know, like a lot of a lot of my families, um, it's a it's a they live in a household with um, older family members. So parents might be fearful of sending their child to school and fear that they'll get their grandparents sick or their great aunt sick. Um, so a lot of fears. There are a lot. I, I have a fear. Yeah.
0: I see. Um also another question. Uh uh, you know, over the past few weeks we've seen, you know, a lot of social injustice. Well, not just over the past few weeks, but you know, throughout our entire entire history. Uh, as far as, you know, your your life livelihood, my livelihood, you know, racism that's been existing uh, throughout this country, you know, uh throughout our generations. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, do you ever get a chance to uh, speak with your children about you know what's going on currently uh, within the society, or are they just you know or you just not focused on that?
1: um so it is my job to um, <laughs> create activists, and I've been doing this since mm-hmm. I began teaching because I just think that uh, children should be educated just as well as adults. so we actually had a conversation um, last week, and we also had another conversation this week. Last week, um, I did a little mini lesson, a little 15 minute lesson about uh, social injustice. And I shared with them what that meant, what that phrase meant in fourth grade terms. And I shared with them how it could look, right? And then we talked about the different types of social injustice they've seen as of now with everything that's been going on, the protesting Mm -hmm. and the riots. Um, And a lot of my kids walked away with a really good understanding of what social injustice meant but they also walked away sharing um, how they felt about a lot of it. A lot of my children are in like this mind state of like, why is it this way, right? Right now they're in the questioning phase. Why is it this way? Mm-hmm. Why are we treated differently? Why is all of this going on, right? So it's a lot of why questions. Um, but then we went into the conversation of like, what could you do, right? So like, it's even though you are a nine, 10 year old person, what 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 is something that you can do, right? And so then, one of my kids brought up the peaceful protest um, that has been going on. Another one of my kids said, sometimes I feel like the best that I can do is look stuff up, like research. And I was like, that's perfect, right? Because then you then you become mm-hmm. more knowledgeable, not just about um, the people who have lost their lives to racial injustice and um, police brutality, but now they start researching and learning about the roots of it. Um, so those are just really, those are the conversations we've been having at the end of each lesson. I share quotes with my kids. Um, the quote that I shared yesterday was a quote from James Baldwin and I wish I had it sitting in front of me because I could share it with you. But essentially it was basically like, um, basically what he was saying was, um, if you don't face it, there's, there's no guarantee that things will change. Right. But if you don't face it, then Mm -hmm. you, you know, for a fact that nothing will change. And so I shared that quote with my kids and I basically told them to think about everything that's been going on as of recent and historically, what does this quote mean? And my kids walked away with just some powerful thoughts about it. They basically were saying like, if if we don't stand up against it, then it's just gonna continue, right? So now they're thinking Mm -hmm. about the fact that they don't wanna sit back. They don't wanna be quiet. They don't want to just watch it happen. I'm trying to help build them up to think about, productive ways that they can help the cause, even from sitting at home. So I, I do get to have those conversations with my kids who join in on my Google Meet sessions. And they have some really powerful things to say. Nine and 10-year-olds, they they those brains are working, trust me.
0: Oh, wow. So it looks like, you know, our next generation might can uh, save, us, uh, save us through the cell room you think we can go ahead? I
1: hope so. I really do. I hope that the next generation... Um, Plus our generation. Like, I feel like we we had to build them up to become more than what we are, right? We're already a force to be reckoned with because we're we're doing more. But we want to help build them too. And I feel like if you have the right teachers and the right people in place to have them start thinking about this stuff early, it'll definitely happen. It'll mm-hmm. definitely.
0: Yeah, I think definitely our generation uh, has to be, you know, the front-runners. Even though we probably won't enjoy like the the fruits of our labor, you know the next generation possibly can, and and hopefully we can have you know a peaceful time here in here in here in this country, and across the world. Yep, you
1: know. exactly. Uh,
0: uh, off a little bit, I guess. Uh, uh, what have you what have you done? What's uh have you learned anything new uh throughout this uh time period that we're in uh? Have you grown grown as a person? Have you learned any uh, new things about yourself, or have you uh, done any new hobbies, uh, anything of that nature? During the
1: pandemic, or during um, recent events, the recent events with racial injustice. Which one? Uh both. Um, yeah. Okay, so referencing the pandemic, have I learned anything new about myself? Not necessarily anything that I didn't already know. Um, but I, I've learned that. I definitely don't need a lot of free time. So working from home is not for me. Um, I've also mm-hmm. I haven't learned any new ha- hobbies, but I've tapped back into my old hobbies. So um I'm big in I'm big on the arts. Um always been big in drawing, um and things of that nature and writing. So I've been spending a lot more time drawing, spending a lot more time working on painting that is the one medium that I have not mastered um so I'm gonna work to master that medium um and in regards to uh the racial injustice that has been occurring um it's not that I've learned anything new about myself but I have forced myself to do more research because I I, I'm a I love I'm a lifelong learner so I love knowing things right but I had I've I've mm. had to kind of like become like an investigator on my own accord. So when we talk about these cases of police brutality, um I've learned that is when we it's, it's it's a bit it's not learned but I just been have been thinking about how big of the system this is, right? And how um the word reform just keeps popping in my head and my mind and every time I hear the word reform I feel like nothing is done, right? You talk about police reform, reform right? right? But as before, and it's so crazy that all of this is happening because I'm also the debate coach, and um, our most recent topic, our most recent resolution was about um, decreasing the amount of power that the Baltimore City Police Department has. That was the, that was the resolution, and so the kids had to either argue mm-hmm. for or against it, but they had to be prepared to argue both, and. While I helped prepare my kids for the, the, like their debate speeches, we, we, we learned a lot, a, a lot about police reform and how community policing was an example of police reform. But then when you talk about community policing, we talk about once again, the targeting of black citizens because the community poli- policing was meant to make people fear, feel safer. And I'm putting that in air quotes, but really it was just, a, it was just another mm-hmm. term for them to use for targeting. Right. So even though sure. the definition of it means something completely different, it's just it, it, that's and that's what I've been spending my time doing, having these conversations. I have these conversations um, end on end. I'll go on my walk, talk to my best friend. We'll be talking about it. Um, Talk to my friend's cousin. We'll talk about it. My mom is a former police officer. Both of my parents, we talk about it. So it's just. Right right now, during this time, I think having those conversations are necessary, not staying silent about it, and also looking up the other people who we haven't heard about in the news who lost their lives, right? And, and, and it was swept under the rug by the police. So not just about the police who are killing people, but let's talk about the people who have connections with their local police departments and are able to commit crimes and murder and it be swept under the rug because that's what I was reading about this morning. I believe her name is Kamla Hosford. She went mm-hmm. to a sleepover, adult sleepover, seven...
0: Oh, Yeah, I, I remember seven, this one. seven yeah. white
1: women, seven white women. And and I feel like I heard about this, but I was reading, you know, when you read, everything pops up. She was at... Uh,
0: yeah, because I've seen this as probably like a month or two and ago, it happened, ago or something like it that. it happened
1: two years like ago. Brown. It happened in 2018. Like and and when you search her name, the most you see a few recent links, and then the most recent article about it was like two thousand nineteen. So that and that's crazy to me. This woman was found outside at seven thirty, beaten and bruised with her wrist cut, accused of being highly intoxicated. She was found outside by the homeowner's aunt at seven thirty, and they didn't call the police until nine thirty. Why aren't we talking about that? so it's just that's what I've been doing. I've been researching like I just now I feel like i need to I need to dig deep and deep because I feel like it just goes so much deeper than what where what we're pushing for like these protests, these marches, I love them, and I think that this is the perfect time, and we don't need to stop It needs to continue because if if we stop, then that's when everything goes quiet again, and that's what's wanted.
0: Yeah, because we can't, uh, you know, for afford for things to go back to the status mm-hmm. quo. Uh, clearly, uh, the way things were, uh, you know, it was the, the worst has yeah. ever been. But now, you know, you see people uprising and protesting, and 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 uh, different corporations and uh, you know celebrities are donating money uh, to to the cause, and and you just see people really uh, care care about the situation. And um, uh, the biggest thing, you know. I, I see the biggest problem that you know the police have is they always have the benefit mm-hmm. of the doubt, and I, I think that's always you know been the biggest problem uh, with us combating you know uh, police br- uh, brutality.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that people also, and that's why I like when we talk. I I do agree that a reform is necessary. I do agree, but I want people to also understand that we got to push bigger than the force, right? So not just the police officers we see out. You need to people need to start pushing at personnel, right? Because those are the people who hire. Those are the people who are in charge of hiring hmm. these these police officers. So you hired this killer, this murderer. Let's look at that record. Let's look at because a lot of the times when these police officers are getting hired, they've had they have things on they have records and not necessarily like arrest records, but they've had Pretty significant. They're
0: mentally yeah. off. Uh, they have some pretty off.
1: significant, you know, run-ins with the law that should be considered before you hire them to protect and serve. Because you can't protect someone that you don't like. You can't protect someone that you're afraid of. And that's exactly what you're asking these people to go out to do. You're asking them to go out and protect people they don't like, and they or people they're afraid of. Mm. Come on now, that that makes no sense to me. Yeah. but
0: yeah it creates a, a toxic environment and a dangerous environment you know for for uh everybody you know these are the people uh that we look to turn to you know when mm-hmm. there's a problem uh when we need, mm-hmm. need assistance And uh and uh it's just you know a yep. terrible thing
1: absolutely um,
0: um uh, what would you like to see, you know, transpire uh, within the next uh, two, or three years, as far as uh, uh, how the how this nation is going to run?
1: Um, that is a loaded question, yeah. and I, I don't know. I hmm. I would like. <laughs> I want to. I, I want to I wanna make sure I'm wording this the best way that I can. So I can't say what I would like for the to see in the next two, three years. I can say what I would like to see in maybe the next year because that's just how my brain works. Um, And Mm -hmm. to be honest, like right now, right now, justice is the biggest word. And I'm not even just talking about justice um, for the people who were recently murdered by police officers. I'm talking about justice for years down the line. I'm talking about real conversations about the trauma that as a Black person we have to experience um, living in America I, I want when we talk about justice I think about education and I think about the fact that it is unreal that so many of my children do um, mm-hmm. not have access to devices or access to internet and a lot of it um, comes from s- systems that are bigger than me right so when we think about Comcast mm-hmm. has this deal where um, based, it's, I think it's based off of like income or if you receive certain benefits um that you can um pay $9.95 a month for cable and internet which is good right if you aren't making a lot of money that is great but let's say you get behind on your bill and then you don't you and you don't pay that $9.95 essentially you can't get internet until you pay whatever you owe and then that becomes once again back to the root of the problem well i don't have money didn't have money to begin with, but now like they're, they're in this lock with Comcast. And that was, that was one of the reasons why some of our families didn't have internet. Right. So I just think I, when I, when I talk Mm -hmm. about things that I want to see, I want like, I want justice. Like I want justice and I want equity. That's the word I'm looking for equity. I want equity in education. I want equity in our rights and our laws. I want equity across the board. When we talk about, um, like renters and even like credit reports and things like that we don't have equity we don't we don't have equity when people see us they before they even look at our credit score when people see us that's their first judgment of whether or not they're going to give us a loan when you walk into a bank I want equity and I want people who don't provide citizens because that's who we are and what we are with equity I want them to Be punished. Like, I'm so happy at all these corporations who are losing customers because their racial bias and prejudice is out there for the world to see. That is making me so happy. So justice and equity, that's what I want to see in the next year. I want to see real laws being enforced that help prepare our children for a better future. How many years are we going to talk about an an academic gap? Now they call it an achievement gap. Just because you change the word, don't change that... Mm. Yeah, it doesn't change thing. that a black child living in a city neighborhood and going to a public school in the city is performing two years behind their white counterpart. They're, you don't, don't change the word, fix, fix it, right? And, and don't just make it a teacher issue. Mm-hmm. There, it's bigger than teachers. It's bigger than, it's bigger than the people who are standing on the ground. It's about our systems that we have in place. And if they if if this society that wasn't even created for us to exist in in the first place can't figure out how to create equity, then I wanna see more of us working as a collective to create our own systems. Cause it's possible.
0: Most definitely. I think, you know, uh more than anything, uh black community has to, you know, come to come together, you know, you mm-hmm. uh, know. Uh, do you like you know how how other nations do, how other races do? You know, uh, invest in, invest into your own own businesses, your own, uh, uh, and just you know, just in general general legislation. Uh, we still have laws, uh, we still have outdated laws where mm-hmm. you know we're in a whole different generation. You know, a lot of the, you know the laws that we had previously that did not have black people in black people in mind. Uh, in general, so uh I think those are you know the huge steps that we need, or you know if we just want to say you know equity, fair is fair, you know, just give our give us our forty acres of milk and the, the mil, mill, milk and the milk like we'll promise anyway, you know reparations you know you know just give us give us uh what our tr- trillions of dollars, I guess that'll be equivalent, and we'll just go about our way, you know you know have our own you know, build our own com- uh, community community uh, within this uh country. And you know, call a square.
1: Mm-hmm. The um, the problem is is that they recognized our greatness early on, right? Um, so certainly. when you when when you think about slavery and when you think about the enslavement of a person, the first thing you have to do is break their mind, and that was what they did, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but what you can't break is something that's built within us, like it's in us. You can't take it out of me it's there. So it's passed down. So it's passed down from my ancestors, right? It's passed down from your ancestors. They don't want to give us those things. They don't want to make those unjust laws just. They don't want to increase equity in our world because when they do, they're going to realize how, I'm sorry, not even realize, (laughs) they're they're going to feel threatened by, by how great we are. They don't want us to be better than them. Uh, most definitely. And, we... Go ahead. No, and I'm saying like that's that's the root of the problem, and and I'm not speaking about I'm not speaking about our white allies and those people. Those are not the people I'm referencing. I'm talking about those people who are in positions of power who don't use those positions of power to make things better for people of color. Those are the people that I'm referencing. So the white supremacists. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting that, you know, it seems as though uh still a whole bunch of old white people still in uh, these respective seats. They're still yeah. controlling everything. Uh most definitely, uh they definitely don't want us to, you know, uh use use our muscle so so to speak. Uh our intelligence has been noted throughout all of history and and as well as, you know, we're, you know, I guess, you know, athletically superior than them and you know I we have a dominant gene and you know <laughs> you know it's clear I mean we mm. built built this uh, country country from the ground up and they just just pretty much enjoying the fruits, fruits of our labor and you know mm. it's like a slap to our face you know a spit in the face you know every 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 day we live
1: and uh, see you country. bring up a you bring up a great point right because um, I'm I'm actually on a founding team for a charter school that we're trying to get off the ground, hopefully 2021. And the the basically the basis of this charter school is to re, reteach history, right? So the way that we learned history, you no, know, you the way we learned it is not the way that we know it. The way we learned it was not that we built this country, right? The mm-hmm. way that we learned it was, <laughs> come on, we all remember, we used to get out of school for Columbus Day. You know, <laughs> like we used to celebrate a... a A thief, right? A thief. uh, A a racist. Um, So we used to celebrate this individual and a liar. How did you find something where people already were? I still don't understand that. But at this charter school, what we are like, we're writing the social studies curriculum Mm -hmm. so that it can be based off of truth, not based off of whoever wrote that textbook, based off of truth. And that is what is needed. We need more schools that are teaching the truth because you can't tell me a thing if this is the real history of the world that I'm in. And that is the problem. People are not being educated on the truth. And that's why the white supremacist has a grandchild, I'm sorry, has a daughter who has a child. So then you've, you've embedded these white supremacist racist ideologies into your family. So be so what they know to them that's their truth, right? Mm -hmm. There's a difference between their truth, my truth, and then the actual truth, and that's what we need to get down to. You teaching me about the Holocaust of the and the Jews. Let's talk about the Holocaust of the African people.
0: Mm -hmm. They don't want to talk about that. And uh, growing up,
1: but yeah,
0: yeah, they're trying to. um, uh, they don't they don't teach us uh well when i was growing up uh with when it came to social studies and anything like that uh they, they barely touched on touched on uh black history mm-hmm. it was pretty much just uh the only time you really heard about uh anything black it was just uh the civil rights movements and then it moved on however you know uh these children uh people people just in general uh, you know, need access to African history, African American history, uh, uh, as they're growing up, just in general.
1: Yeah, and it's also about so it all, it's also about your teacher, right? So you said like the only time you really touched on Black history was like that February that month, yep. right? But but. Think about whose fault that was. Your teacher has power in their room. Granted, there are some things I can and cannot do. There are some things I have to teach because that is what the mm-hmm. district said and that is what the district paid for. But when I'm teaching the American Revolution, I'm pointing out the fact that you had Christmas Atticus in this Boston, um, the Boston Massacre painting, right? I'm pointing out the significant Black people and what it don't. It, but your teach If if you're going to be in a classroom, you got to figure out how am I going to educate the masses the best way I know how. So then it it takes you back to what what kind of teachers do we need, right? What kind of teachers do we have? Because you can't be a teacher and be a sheep. That's not how it works. And that's the unfortunate reality. We have people who are in education who are sheep. So you're not educating children and you're not teaching them how to become social activists and you're not using that 5 minutes. During your morning meeting to talk about real live things, no matter what grade your the child is in because that doesn't really matter. You can have a real conversation with a six year old just got to change the words that's that's just that's what's not happening and that's that's the problem we run into and that's why people are tired that's why we have these riots that's why we're having these protests that's why nobody's nobody is sitting down in ninety degree heat. I can tell you right now, there's a peaceful march happening right now. I'm sure somewhere exactly. in the country. it's
0: been every day. It's every day,
1: and they so it's stop. just exactly, and it's not gonna stop until they stop putting band-aids on solutions that need surgery. Right, this thing need you need surgery. We got to get whatever is inside out and start new. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's time for a rebuild, uh, a, to- a total uh, overhaul. Uh, for this country, you know, I think that uh, COVID nineteen just uh, started the cleansing, and then uh, uh, once you know the uh, uh, George Floyd uh, situation happened, that really you know got everybody. I mean, we were already itching to you know be out the house and uh, you know see our loved ones this that, and third, but it just really showed us that you know, hey, it doesn't matter what times we're in. Like the same shit is just gonna keep continuing on and on until, mm-hmm. until we do do something about it. Yep. 100% yeah.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent right about that one. Definitely. Um
0: mm-hmm. Oh um Oh question, uh do you have any um any aspirations uh beyond teaching or do you think teaching is just uh something that you love to doing uh you just wanna get uh better at it?
1: Um, teaching is definitely my calling, but, um, it's not one of those things where I feel like it can only be done in the classroom. I recently came across a quote and I can't, it it was like a, it was like a tweet, I think. Um, oh, matter of fact, it was Issa Rae. Um, and when she brought up a a person, not just having one purpose, right. But having multiple purposes. And I feel like that's who I am. Um, Mm -hmm. I've always been and will always be in love with. Media and film, so that that's what I majored in when I was in cop my undergrad mm-hmm. so that's definitely something that um I would like i envision myself getting into at some point. I just felt I feel like i I needed to be in education and I'm gonna be in it for as long as my mind, body, and spirit allows me to be in it. but the moment where I feel like my passion and my spirit is taking me in a different direction. I'm a definitely going that direction, but I know I know the one thing that I am at my heart is an educator. So it doesn't it it won't matter where I go, if it's not inside of a classroom. Um, I know that I do want to teach in a university at some point.
0: So mm.
1: getting my PhD is definitely on my list of things to do. Um, but um, I just I just I feel like I'm a person with many passions. I, I've always been this way at our eighth grade graduation ceremony, whatever, they made us like write down what we wanted to be when we grew up and gave us like three lines. And I wrote like 12 things. And they were like this, they were so close together. So in short, I'll just say that I don't think this is, I don't think teaching is my end end thing, right? Mm -hmm. But I do believe that um, I'm passionate about education. So I do believe that that's a field that I'm going to be a part of for as long as my mind and my spirit will allow me to be.
0: Yeah, uh one of the things uh that I've learned over the years is that uh school doesn't necessarily prepare you for real life things. That's mm-hmm. not no knock on, you know, the teachers I've taught me. But uh when you uh going through college, uh and once you graduate from college, you start to learn that, hey, I need like you have like two 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 thoughts. Uh one one thought is uh I have to do this certain thing this I have to do uh pretty much whatever my bachelor's degree tells me that I have to do. Mm-hmm. Or I have to find uh adequate job to make a certain amount of money in order for me to, you know, have a happy and fulfilling life.
1: Right.
0: Uh and those are two distinct things that you that you find yourself, you know, uh dealing with from your thoughts that you had previously like say let's say when you're seventeen or eighteen years old and uh not to mention that uh i don't know how old you were when you graduated from uh college I graduated when I was uh what twenty three
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know that we're co- constantly you know evolving people in that we that and that and that we're learning ourselves as as we grow up and that 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 we that we want to do many things and and we sometimes conform to society as uh, to what they want us to be instead of doing things that we want to do
1: and i think you i think you bring up a great point and i'm gonna say that that is why i say it goes back to the systems right so yeah. if we know and we're not the only ones who know this everyone knows that if we know that as you get older life looks different no matter what no matter what college you went to no matter what trade school you decided to go to or what high school you graduated from we know that when adults so someone might go to school for theater and end up working at a law firm in a few years right so I think that this is why I say and this is why you say we go to talking about the rebuilding of systems We think about the public education system or the education system as a whole and think about how that needs to be rebuilt to better prepare our children who are gonna become adults, right? Um, And teach them things that are meaningful to them. Um, I think that school, I think people should research the history of public education in America. Um, I took a lot of courses on school policy reform Um, and I took a like course where I had, it it was, it was like action research and we had to do, read like case studies and things like that. And during those times, you learn a lot about, oh, nope, I know exactly what it was. It was, um, school policy. One of them was just a school policy and then the other one was urban school reform. So in the school policy, um, course, we read a lot of case, um, cases and we also um, had to research a lot of laws. And when you research these laws and you learn about some things that just came into place in like 2000 in public education, I think that's when people the same way that, and I think that everything needs to have like a moment where people are protesting against it, right? And forcing Mm -hmm. change. I think that once people start to look more into public education and the history of public education in America, They'll start pushing for that change. I think they'll. It'll, I think it'll just have to. Something is going to have to give for people to say enough is enough. And what you're talking about is exactly what people should start like really having real conversations about. Like, why are you allowing me into this major when you know i I might not get to do what it is that I'm majoring in? It's like you know what I'm saying. Like, why are you letting me pay yeah. for these courses? Why Why are you wasting my yeah. time? I, I can't, I can't, I love thinking about my undergrad because I think I had like a, like two years worth of like core courses. And mm-hmm. then the other two years, I took like one core course each semester and then everything else was electives. So I literally paid for electives to graduate.
0: Yeah, that's uh, two, about two and a half years <laughs> uh, of the beginning of your uh, college career. Yep.
1: Oh, it was actually the end of my college career. So I took all yeah. my core yeah, I took all my core courses in the beginning and so towards the end I because I didn't have to take a lot of prereq courses. Um and towards the end I took and I loved it because I got to study things that I wanted to study anyway. So like I said, I'm big on art. Um, so I, I got to study, like, women in music. And then I had to. T- I got to take a jazz course. I got to take a dance take course. Jazz, yeah. Yeah. I got to take um, ceramics, <laughs> um, a drawing class where I learned how to master the technique of using charcoal as a medium. But it's, like, that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, those are things I was happy that I got the chance to learn. But it's also, like, with, the most of I'm not doing anything with those things other than my hobbies.
0: I think more or less when you go to college, you pay for the experience more than, I'd say, the education.
1: Well, then they could have kept that And not working. Because. No, and not working. <laughs> you uh,
0: get, I mean, you get, you get the, you know, experience, and uh, I think you more or less, you're pretty much uh, paying for your own promotion.
1: And th- that's yeah, exactly you know That is a beautiful way to phrase it. But if you're someone um, like my best friend, she's a nurse, right? If you're someone who you like, you knew what you were going to do, then it's different. So I just think it depends. And I think that when you're driven and you know exactly what you want to do and what your purpose is, it's easier for you. Like there are people who went into business management who are working at some really great business, you know, firms. There are people who went into law. There are people who, so when you are like tunnel vision, I think that, College is great, and I think that it works because that nurses are out here making bank. You feel me? Yeah. Law- lawyers who really, you know, that was their goal. They moved to the area where they knew law firm, like really good law firms were. Right? They they made sure that they followed that plan. I just think that when you have individuals who kind of like, I think this is what I want to do, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Or I know this is what I want to do, but I also know that there aren't a lot of jobs in that market. You know things like that, because like you said, you're paying for your promotion.
0: And and it's like uh, as far as the job market is concerned, at least in uh, like corporate corporate America world, they have like when they're hiring, like there's like the requirement is a bachelor's degree, but there's also you have to have. Four plus years of experience
1: mhm-,
0: and you know the, the the cra- the uh you know the the crazy thing about that is that for a person to you know have either one it you pretty much just tell them that they can't have the job right because you have a situation where okay okay, um I can't get experience unless you hire me, and you also can't hire me unless I got my my uh degree okay, I got my degree, but I still can't get hired because I don't even have experience. Exactly. So, how, uh, so how, how are we going to go about this situation?
1: <laughs> right. How <laughs> how how do you plan on helping me get the experience that I need? Yeah. Like, that, that was a major problem I ran into when I was looking for internships. When I was mm-hmm. um, still in undergrad, I was trying to get an internship at, like, local magazines because um, I, I wanted to explore everything that I wanted to do. So I wanted to explore if I was going to... I'm um, going to magazine writing, or I also want to explore if I was going to try to go into the broadcast field. But when you would send these um, these magazines, these local magazines, your resume, or look on their site, what they wanted were were people who had experience for an internship. And I'm like, well, the internship is so that I get the experience, and and that's right. how the world is created. It's like there's a block in the way every single time
0: exactly and Mm -hmm. and for uh you know people who have you know who I say are just multi-talented or multi-interested like um you're pretty much pushing me into a corner where I have to pretty much conform to what society wants me to do
1: Mm -hmm. but I think that that's the message we should start telling children and not just as an educator but just like As people, like when I don't know how often you interact with children, but um, I interact with them. I got kids, (laughs)
0: they're not my kids, but right (laughs) exactly.
1: So, like, even when you're having those conversations with them, like, just reminding them that you it's okay to be a multi talented person, it's okay to feel like you want to do many things at one time. And as you get older, I think you master that, right? Like, I love teaching, I love being an educator, but I know that I love. Photography and I love videography and I love paint. Well, trying to paint and I love drawing. So what it, what it's really about is finding those crafts. Because I will say, if I did not um, study journalism and new media, I would not be able to be the coach for the broadcast club at my school. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like you got to remind yourself that everything happens so that you can be a part of the puzzle. Because now, what I've been able to expose kids to that they might not be able to experience until college, like myself. You get what I'm saying? Like, I, I mm-hmm. was able to teach eight-year-olds from the ages to 18 to, like, 13. The, that's the, the age range to the two my broadcast club. I was able to teach them how to add audio, how to edit clips, how to create, um, create images in Google that you can paste inside of your video. You, you know, like, being able to have these multi-talents, we just remind kids that they'll, they're going to be used as long as you keep using them. But what you don't want to okay. do is stop.
0: Well, definitely, and uh, you going know, you have to use that to your advantage because uh, we're in a world world where uh, entrepreneurship is, is is king. Absolutely, and you have to have to be talented in, in many things and be knowledgeable about uh, different trades and stuff like that. So it's like like you have to use, use that to, to the best of your ability. You know,
1: absolutely you can't be
0: a, a one one trick pony. Exactly uh, in, in today's society,
1: and I think it's easier to understand as an adult. Like and even now, like I'm a 27 year old woman and I posted um, a sketch, a sketch. And mind you, I don't think my sketches are that great because it's a sketch. Right. But um, I posted a sketch on my story and I had this girl from high school. She sent me a message like, did you draw that? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, well, I'm coming up like with this line and I I wanted I don't know how to draw, but I want to draw some designs. Would you do it? And I'm just like, yeah, why not? She's like, "Okay, well, how much do you charge? right? And mind you, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm just like, I like to draw. So I'm, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind getting my practice in wherever and it might not be exactly what you want. But th- me as a 27 year old woman never thought about my talent being something that I could make a business off of, right? So one like going mm-hmm. back to that entrepreneur side of things, like it's a new world. So if we teach children early Things that we can use, for example, like we should be teaching kids how to create podcasts. Why? Why aren't we? Most definitely, you know, like in a world of where people are listening to a podcast in every category, you can you can find a podcast about anything. Why aren't we teaching children about this? Right? Why? Why aren't we incorporating um, more art classes that are meaningful to kids? But and. Um, Goes back to yeah, I think,
0: po- and you know, I think podcasting is definitely gonna be the new wave. Uh, uh what? Uh, how I got into podcasting? Uh, interestingly, uh, I just find find myself. I'm not the most knowledgeable person, maybe not the most aware person, but however, I think you know, it still allows, uh, still allows for me to have a platform to, hear, you know, for for my voice to be heard, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, get to hear other people and uh. Uh, get to see their viewpoint of things, and and my conversation can uh once supposedly could lead to other conversations into a more broad, broader, into a more broader um, to to a more broader demographic, who who may be in positions to where where they they can make things you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So so for me, it's not just about me personally; it's about uh about building you know growth, and uh you know. And we're now in in a in a area where we can upload things in and instant is out there in the world. Right. So anybody could, could could grasp any type of information, you know, from from the tip tip of their finger. Yep. And uh, I think everybody has to, you know, has has to dabble in it, even you know, take some type of you know interest in in doing doing so. Mm-hmm whatever you want to or not, I think, I think it's almost, almost your, you know, your due diligence as far as, you know, getting getting some type of content out there for, for the world to see. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. mm. Well, um, it's been a, you know, a great chat with you. Uh, uh, I just have one more question. Uh, do you have uh, anything that you want to advocate or uh, any uh thing you want to say to the world uh, to the to the listeners out there
1: um i think i feel like everything i've said probably <laughs> that's that's me advocating but i do want to just <laughs> remind everyone that we are all a part of this society that we live in and um i i love this quote that one of the keynote speakers at this conference i went to right before the world shut down um and he was speaking about education but i think that i want everyone to about it in general terms the work that we do all of the work that we do is social justice work so when we're walking around and even having a an eye-opening conversation with someone about race about injustice in america i think is a part of you doing your job so it's not if you can't make it to a protest you don't feel comfortable going to a protest that's understandable but just make sure that whatever you're doing you're remembering that social justice is the mission. That's what we're trying to focus on right now. So I guess that's what I want to leave you guys with. All right.
0: uh, thank, thank you. you. And uh, uh, before I let you go, any uh, socials? Uh, where can we find you at? Twitter, Facebook, stuff like that? Um,
1: So I suck at Twitter. I tried. Um, but um, you can find me on Instagram at underscore Miss Kimmy P. So I'll say that again. My Instagram is at underscore M S Kimmy P.
0: That's all. Okay. That's all? Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh again, I want I want to thank everybody else. Uh I, I want to thank everyone uh for listening to the podcast as usual. Uh, and uh you know have a great day. You know, uh stay in good mental health, uh uh great spirit. And uh, keep on pushing. Uh, I strive that for not only you, just for everybody else, no other in the world. All right? All righty. All right. This has been a simply awesome podcast. Uh, Until next time.